Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where this today uh, we finally got the forensic exam for uh, a couple of uh, Dominion voting machines. This was a court-ordered exam, and a court ordered the release of this private exam by a uh, group, I think it's called Allied Security Operations Group. Uh, there's a little bit of controversy, obviously Democrats, the Michigan State um, Secretary of State and the uh, Dominion Voting uh, don't uh, like this company, don't like its conclusions, think they're faulty, but uh, a judge is, uh, felt they were public worthy enough to order their release today. This is in Antrim County. Remember, this is a county in Michigan where in a Republican county, uh, Joe Biden was originally declared the winner, and then thousands of votes switched when they found an error, uh, whether that was a computer error, human error is in dispute, depending on who you talk to, but there was an error, and then the vote switched, and Donald Trump suddenly won by a large margin, as one would have expected in a, in a Republican county like that. And so after that, uh, a judge allowed the inspection of the logs and the machinery and the code for these Dominion motor machines. And this um, uh, analysis, I would call it a forensic analysis, that's actually what the court calls it, uh, takes a look at the um, a code and the production and the logs and the error logs and the conclusion of their authors, again, disputed by some in the, uh, the state government and by Dominion Voting, which has been very uh, defensive and, and proud of its uh, machines, is that 68% of the activities on the machines in the 2020 election involve some sort of error, an error rate of 68%, 68, I think, 0.05 in what they um what happens each time the machine throws an error is that it, it kicks it forward according to the analysis to what's known as adjudication, allowing a human to decide what the outcome of each error, which each dispute, each vote sequence will be, meaning someone outside the purview of the American people, the ballot box, is making a decision about what was correct on each erroneous application. That is the conclusion of this um, forensic report. It's eye-opening. A lot of people are talking about it across the country. If you want to read the latest, go to justthenews.com. Uh, it should be at the top of the site, and you'll be able to get a good readout of what this is, what the debate is. Both sides are going to debate this, but the mere fact that someone is even suggesting that voting machines have a large error rate is going to be dramatic and certainly dominate some discussion over the next few days. Um, we're going to go to a quick commercial break here from our great sponsors and advertisers. When we come back, rather than do a monologue today, I wanted to move from Michigan, where we have the, the voting machine dispute and some ongoing legislative hearings, to uh, Georgia, where the next big electoral race is, January 5th. Two Senate races are up for grabs, and uh, I have a guy that's been on the ground. He's an evangelical Christian organizer, so he's pro-Republican, pro-Kelly uh, Loeffler, pro-Senator uh, Purdue, and he is going to talk about what he's been doing, what he's seeing on the ground. I thought it would be fun, even from a person that obviously comes from a conservative or religious perspective, and you know he really is a man of faith, so the Bible and, and um, Christianity and Christian values and all the things that go with that are forefront in his thinking, but he's actually organizing voters. And one of the things he's doing is focusing on low propensity 
evangelical or Christian voters, meaning voters who are Christian have an interest in American policy but aren't getting out to vote in Georgia, and he's trying to get them out to vote. He's targeted 150,000 of them. 150,000 is a large block of voters in a state where uh, less than 20,000 votes separated Trump and Biden in the last election. I think it's closer to 12,000, 13,000. But um, uh, this is one below the radar get out the vote operation no one's talking about. Uh, David Lane has had some success in the past in getting out voters. He's built um, large get out the vote machines. He's also built a project um, called the American Renewal Project that encourages pastors to run for office and to get their uh, constituents in church to go out and vote. Um, uh, there's a pastors and pews component. Uh, but the um, I thought it would be fun to get someone that's actually on the ground doing stuff rather than the media guessing, here's someone on the ground that can give us an eyewitness account of what's going on. I thought that would be worth listening to. We're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking to David Lane and what he's seeing and hearing on the ground right after these messages from our great sponsors and advertisers who, by the way, make this show make just the news possible please support them even as you go into christmas their gifts their services make wonderful last minute christmas gifts uh their products uh and uh, by supporting them you're also supporting us so remember that as you hear these messages i will be right back in a few seconds with david lane the great evangelical uh political organizer now on the ground in georgia trying to sway the senate runoff races all both of those races in a few minutes we'll be talking to him Right back after the messages. Hey folks, you own firearms? I do. Did you know that there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Meet muzzle stick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzle stick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. That could save lives. Are you one of nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection? Well, taking an extra precaution by using muzzle sticks, big bright barrel, and chamber flags will let everyone around you know if the firearm is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some people do. And a clearly marked gun's status communicates to others around that may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags do offer firearms rapid clear identification, and that could save lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owner. Head over to muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com to place your order. One more time, that's muzzlestick, M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com. After all, we only have one life to live. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. Uh, many of you may have never heard his name, but you have seen his work all across politics for the last 20, 25 years. David Lane is one of the uh, great political organizers, one of the great evangelical organizers in America. And he is dipping his toe into the all-important Georgia Senate uh, runoff uh, races that are uh, scheduled for January 5th, and they will determine control of the Senate. So we brought David in today to talk a little bit about what he's doing, what he's seeing on the ground, what's at stake. Uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you, John, for having me. 
it is an honor to have you. And I wonder before we get started, since some of our audience may not may have seen your work but never really heard of this, describe a little bit about what the American Renewal Project has done over the years, the Pastors and Pews event. It's an amazing uh, uh, effort, amazing movement, amazing infrastructure that you've built to influence elections. Uh, why don't you just introduce a little bit to our listeners what that looks like? Well, the, the model began in Texas in 2005 with Texas Governor Rick Perry. And since then, we, we mobilize evangelical pastors and pews. Uh, somebody's values are going to reign supreme. And if we stay home as evangelical and pro-life Catholic Christians, then the other side that gets their people in, they pass their laws and they impose their will. And so we, it's easily defended that America is founded by Christians for the advancement of the Christian faith. That's the Mayflower Compact. So all we're doing really is just trying to get uh, believers uh, who, you know, put importance in character and uh, values and virtues to come to the public square. Somebody's values are going to reign supreme. And so... We began in 05 in Texas with Governor Perry. We've been in 20 states now under the radar. Wow. I've never had a press conference or a press release under the radar. The, the currency in politics is how many votes can you bring to the table or how much money can you bring that brings votes to the table? Press conferences, press releases, getting a shout out on Fox News, nothing wrong with it. But that's really not currency, or at least not large denominations of currency. So what we do is the, we, in a sense, stay under the radar and we mobilize. And we've been in 20 states now. We've put up 20,000 pastors plus spouses at a hotel, fed them three meals and never asked them for a penny. And the Lord has put a little less than $50 million in the door from less than 10 people since wow. 2005. So we're really involved uh, in these states. We're involved right now in Georgia. We have what's going on there with us is that there's really three components to our what we're up to. Number one, we we're, we actually, through analytics, we identify low propensity, mid-propensity evangelical voters and pro-life Catholic Christian voters that are not going to vote, and we actually knock on their door. And so we're going to knock on about 120,000 doors in Georgia to have 40,000 contacts. And it's basically a get out to vote. You have a Christian responsibility to participate. Uh, and that's number one. We're doing a social media outreach where we have Georgia pastors that have recorded 30 second spots. And so we'll be showcasing those through show, social media all across Georgia. And then the last thing is actually, we're gonna, we're gonna wait till the dust settles. We're not gonna go in because there's so much so many people doing so many things in Georgia. So after, you know, the mid and toward the middle of the year or, or in the first quarter, let's say, we're actually going to do pastors luncheons across the state. And the goal will be, you know, 75 to hundred pastors there. And our goal is to get pastors and spiritual leaders to engage the public arena. And it was what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my, he didn't say church. He used a Greek term, ecclesia. Upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia and the gates of hell won't stand against it. And he could have said, upon this rock, I'll build my synagogue. Upon this rock, I'll build my temple. He didn't, he didn't say that. He used a Greek word that everybody knew what he was talking about. And the Romans had their, when they set up their structure and their society, on the new areas, they this, the apostle went out and set up an ecclesia is how they governed. That's what Jesus said that he was going to build. And somehow 
over the last hundred years or so in America, we've the church, American Christendom, has adopted a uh, subculture where we've moved inside the building. We have Christian celebrities, Christian stars, Christian publishing, Christian television, but we have no footprint in the culture. That's not what Jesus said that he was that he was going to his kingdom assignment was for you and I to be in the public square in the rough and tumble. And so that's what we do. And that's what we're trying to get pastors. Uh, I write a weekly op-ed piece to eight, 80,000 pastors. And we're trying to get the, uh, the church to come alive in America if we're going to survive. And uh, somebody's values, again, will reign supreme. And if we stay home, and that's, that's about what we've been doing, you know, the, the numbers are about 50% of Christians are not registered to vote. About 50% of those don't vote. Wow. In a presidential year, and about fifty percent of those don't vote in an off-year election. So we're at twelve to fifteen percent, like in two thousand and eighteen, and twenty-five percent in twenty twenty. So we've got to get if we're going to turn America back to Him, and that's the goal. That's our goal. Then we're going to have to engage the culture. It's remarkable, and I want to throw some numbers out there because that that, that eighty thousand number. When you start to think about that, let's assume the average congregation size is a hundred people, and that that's probably low, but. 80,000 pastors reaches 8 million congregants just in your uh, your pastor's network, right? Right. Um, now, I, I know we've talked about getting out the vote, and, and we're going to go back to Georgia in a second. But another thing you've done is you've gotten out candidates. And how have you done that? You've done it by uh, getting pastors to get, move from their church to move into the political square and run for office. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the training you're doing and all the pastors that have now run for local municipal office. Well, let's talk about my pastor in California, Rob McCoy. Rob McCoy, right. Uh, was a high school American swimmer, swam in college, still has records. I think Rob is in his uh, mid-50s now. Well, in 2014, uh, the, the assemblywoman, who now is actually the Senate minority leader, Shannon Grove, she called me first, and she said, your assemblyman in your area is going to run for Congress. Rob should run. And I said, well, have you prayed about that? She said, hey, no. I said, well, you can pray about it. So she prayed about it, I'm sure, but then she called Rob. And, of course, Rob's first instinct was, I'm not going to do that. So this was at the uh, at the end of November. So it, this is 13. So in the, in the second week of December, in the middle of his sermon, Rob announced that he was running for the California Assembly seat. Women cried. Men passed out at the church. And uh, so the Republican Party invited Rob to Sacramento to inform him, we have no interest in this. We're not interested in you running. We're not interested in your issues. And they recruited a 26-year-old male Hispanic, De La Pedra, and gave him a million dollars. And it's a jungle primary in California, which means everybody runs and the top two vote getters gets into the general election. So Rob, on in the primary, several times had 250 volunteers on Saturday that knocked on every door in the district and called every home. On primary election day, the Democrat got 43% of the vote. Rob got 32%. De La Pedra got 21%. So now my pastor, Rob, is in the general election. The Democrats spent, now this is a state assembly seat, state rep seat. The Democrats spent $6.3 million against him in the in the For a in state election. assembly seat? An assembly seat, six point wow. three million. He That's spent a lot a of money, eight. folks. He he uh, spent a million eight, and the night before the election in November, uh, Ranks previous then was the RNC chairman. He texted or emailed me, 
your pastor's going to win tomorrow. He's looking at numbers. Uh, Nick Gingrich emailed me. Let me know how your pastor does tomorrow. Mike Huckabee emailed me. Let me know how Pastor Rob does tomorrow. It took about a week, but it turned out at 130,000 votes, he got beat by 3,000 votes. Hmm. But he ended the campaign with 650 volunteers that had knocked on every door in the district and called. Every, he had an army marching. And it was in that week of waiting that I wrote. Then I had a hundred. We had a hundred thousand pastors on our email list. I wrote to the hundred thousand pastors and I said, "I want you to pray for thirty days, and ask the Lord if He's calling you to run for office. We're going to have a meeting." Governor Bobby Jindal called the first meeting in Baton Rouge. In yeah, January former governor of Louisiana, right? And then, so through fifteen, we had uh, Bobby Jindal, Ted Cruz, Mike Huckabee, Senator Lankford of Oklahoma. All were calling meetings if it and pray, pray about if god is calling you to run and we had somewhere around 200 that ran in uh 16 we had 300 or so or 400 ran in in uh, 18 we don't we don't keep up with it. in fact um probably a year ago now i was reading something that don hinkle was writing in the pathway uh newspaper to the southern baptist of missouri and he mentioned in this article that six pastors had run in 18 in missouri which I knew nothing about. So I got to, you know, I was, we'd been working Missouri, so I was interested in it. What turned out, six pastors ran, five won. Three of the five were elected to the state rep, uh, state representatives, and they were the ones, they were part of the process that led to charge. The only state in the union had reduced, uh, put restrictions on abortion had been Missouri in 18, and those three pastors were part of the charge that led that. So the point is, is that nobody's confused that, you know, the kingdom of God is going to arrive on Air Force One, as Chuck uh, used to say. But, you know, if we're going to turn America back to him, that's the goal, is that we're going to have to get outside of the walls of the church and get back into the culture and get back into the public square. And that's where things happen. In fact, uh, this morning I was looking at somebody had written, America is made up of its people. It is governed by those who are active and engaged. Evangelical and pro-life Catholic Christians are going to have to bring our values to the public square if America is going to be saved. It's um, a remarkable effort. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk about how they can get out the vote. But you actually did a study back in 2016. I think you used Dr. Darren Shaw, yeah. who is one of the Fox News uh, analysts or the data chief at Fox News. Uh uh, and you're focusing on low propensity voters. So just to put this in perspective for our listeners, these are people that are unlikely to vote. You know, they, they've got a Christian background. They probably lean right in their perspective, but they just aren't people who've been out voting or even registering to vote. What, uh, when you went back and you looked at the efforts in the states where you played in 2016, what did Dr. Darren Shaw uh, say uh, was the end data result of your work? Well, uh, well, uh well, let's frame it. So there's nothing good about it, about the Republican Party. There's nothing good about about the Democrat Party. They're holding vessels that you pour things into. Like-minded constituents are housed there. But you can say this without fear of contradiction. Evangelical and pro-life Catholic Christians are not housed in the party that believes in taking a baby's life at the end of it or, or a homosexual marriage. That's not where evangelicals and pro-life Catholics are, are housed. So if I, if I could tell the story, I'll try to make it quick. But it, two miracles happened to me in 16, uh, if you can believe it, in a, in a week. And so the first miracle was uh, somebody gave me a farmer. 
probably a billionaire, a farmer gave me, called me on the telephone and gave me $9 million on a telephone call hmm. that turned into six battleground states, Florida, Ohio, Missouri, North Carolina, Virginia, and Iowa. And he, he is on August the 16th. And we had a field team and we went into those six states and we knocked on and called in 60 days, 1.7 million low mid propensity evangelical voters that were not going to vote. And Dr. Darren Shaw, the study, an independent third party study showed that we increased Christian turnout by five to 7% in those six battleground states. Wow. And we did the same drill in California in three congressional districts in 18. He did another third party independent study and we, we increased those three uh, congressional districts with Christian turn, increased Christian turnout, 6% in those three congressional districts in California. And it's, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing, it's hard work. It's just, it's knocking on doors. Yeah. It's just it ain't, it ain't it. just putting up Facebook ads. It's a lot of no, ground no, game. No, no. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's in, you know, and the exciting thing to me about what's happening right now in Georgia as I mentioned, there's a group from a church with their youth pastor from Oklahoma that's in, uh, I believe they're in Savannah, and there's a group from North Carolina with their youth pastor that's in Augusta, knocking on low propensity, mid propensity evangelical voters' doors. And the significance of that is that these are Christians that are having to defend their worldview and their values door to door, and it takes stick to and discipline and rejection and all these uh, traits that they're learning going door to door. These are your Christian operatives and mechanics and, and candidates 10 or 15 years from now. These are the guys that are coming into the public square. It's really exciting what's going on that the Lord is doing about it's, that. It's remarkable because you're trying to just influence a, a singular event here in Georgia on January 5th, the runoff where there are two Senate seats up. But when you built this, you built this with an idea that this is a gift that will keep on giving because you're going to train a whole new generation of activists uh, on the ground and candidates, and they're going to get frontline experience that they can take with them into politics. What, what inspired you to structure it that way? I, without over-spiritualizing uh, it, I, I was one of the wildest men that ever lived 40 years ago when yeah. I came to Christ. Yes. And, and, but I'm a political mechanic, really, an operative piece. I write a weekly op-ed piece to... 80,000 pastors and it's spiritual, but I'm a political operative and mechanic. And so without overdoing it, I think the Lord gave it to me. I was with Newt Gingrich about, I don't know now, it's been three years ago, maybe two year, two or three years ago. And I'm 20 minute meeting. I'm leaving his office. I have my hand on the door and Newt said, Hey Lane, you know what your legacy is? I said, no. He said, not pastors and pews events. And those are tremendous. Your legacy is these pastors and spiritual leaders running for local office. You'll never see it in your lifetime, but 30 years from now, you're going to change America. And that's the hope because we've, it's easy to defend it. We started out, Christians founded America on a mission for the advancement of the, of the Christian faith. And so now we've lost that. We've lost our culture. We've lost the Judeo Christian heritage of the country. And, you know, the deciding to put the Bible into public education or deciding to remove, deciding to remove it from public education is all spiritual. It's all religious, somebody's values. And, you know, they, the, the progressives, the secularists, they, they frame it like that's neutral. That's not, their values are not neutral at all. It's a religion. It's the same thing as Christianity. 
somebody's values are going to reign supreme. That's why evangelical pro-life Catholic Christians have to come to the culture, have to come to the public square if we're going to turn America and save it. Now, the um, people have asked me quite a, quite often lately, how is it that a red state like Georgia suddenly had so much blue in the last few elections? And I think obviously some of the answer is what Stacey Abrams has done since the 2016 election to motivate progressives and, and uh, liberals and, and young millennials. And there's obviously some democratic shift going on, people from the Northeast moving to the Southeast uh, to escape taxes, ironically. Um, but uh, how daunting is the task? And what are you seeing from the Democrats? Um, uh, whether you agree with them or not, they clearly have put together a voter machine that we haven't seen in a long time in Georgia. Well, but Stacey Abrams, as you know, she has every right to do that. In fact, yeah. she should do it. And so the problem is not Stacey Abrams. The problem is us, evangelical and pro-life Catholic Christians. Half not registered to vote, half of those don't vote, and half of those don't vote in an off-year election. We have to, we have to bring our values to the public square. And I think it's it's part of changing the church. I mean, the you know the model, which is we talked about earlier, is that somehow we bought into this. Let me, I'll tell you a quick story. I won't tell you what city, so it won't be personal, but in the South, in a, in a large city in the South, the city council passed a pro-LGBTQ uh, in 16, I think it was, and the, the mayor was all for it. And uh, here's the, the, the church in that, that area had 45,000 members and a 70 million annual budget. And the mayor was reelected with 14,000 votes and a 400,000, I mean, a $300,000 budget. And a church that's got 45,000 members and a 70 million annual budget can't even mow their own backyard. And another city that's, uh, you know, a community around that large city on the other side of the city, somebody told me they raised on a Sunday 96 million for a building program. That does not fit in, it doesn't seem like, to Jesus's kingdom assignment from Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell won't stand. We have to get out of that model that has taken us nowhere over the last hundred years and bring back to the ecclesia and bring back to the culture and bring back that somebody's values are going to reign supreme. And the people that are ruling the cultural high mountains at this point, you know, the media and Hollywood and education, they don't believe what we believe. They, they, they're, they're imposing their values on America, and that's what we Christians have every right to do. And going back to Stacey Abraham, she has every right to doing what she's doing, and I'm glad she's doing a good job. We got to do a good job on our end. When you're on the ground right now, what are you seeing right now? Is your energy um, is uh, is the election integrity issue sucking up some of the oxygen in Georgia? Uh, if you had a handicap, how January 5th turns out? What are the keys for each of the two parties, Democrats and Republicans? Turnout is the key, as you know. It's uh, enthusiasm is the key to the turnout, and so it's my it's my thinking at this point that evangelical and pro life Catholic Christians are going to move in Georgia on January the fifth. I believe that. That's why we're in there knocking on one hundred twenty thousand doors. If it's up to us, and it's not up to us, it's up to the Lord. But you know the old saying, "Pray for a garden and take the hoe." So we're we're working real hard right now in Georgia, and we're expecting to win. And the um, what is the question that is motivating 
uh, voters uh, if you're a conservative? What what is driving you to the polls? Obviously, control of the Senate is you know the technical issue, but usually there's a larger issue, and it seems like in watching the debates. Um, uh, uh, between the candidates the last few days, uh, there's a really pronounced uh, question that both sides are asking. What type of America do you want to live in going forward? And who has the Senate may determine that. Is that the, is that the, elect, is that the uh, question that this election is going to turn on in Georgia? I think so. I mean, we, we don't back or oppose candidates because this is 501c3 right. dollars. So we're trying to turn out, you know, evangelical and pro-life Catholic Christians but I think I think that's really the the, the bottom line would be uh, that if uh, if a party it, it's it's the shame of what happened in a sense to the Republicans in sixteen they had the House the Senate and the presidency and I don't know what they did yeah. and when the Democrats get in control to be fair to them I mean they they own it they, they're in it they're, they're in it for business so they impose all this radical from our standpoint radical stuff and so that's the if, if the Republicans were to lose the, the Senate, uh, two of those Senate seats, then it's going to be a bad day from an evangelical pro-life Catholic Christian standpoint. It's going to be a da- bad day for America. But in God's providence, I don't know what he's up to, except that he wants us to, to get back engaged in his model in the culture. It's a big um, it's a big moment in American history. Just so many different issues that people are fighting over that will be decided by this generation of politicians, maybe for a long time to come. One of the things that has played out in 2020, we've done a lot on this show because we've we've tracked the work of Jenna Ellis and Phil Klein and uh, the Thomas More Society and the Liberty University and uh, Matt Staver is uh, how COVID created this extraordinary debate over whether religion is essential whether a, a government can uh, order people not to attend church during a pandemic. And of course, we, we, there was a historic ruling at the Supreme Court the night before Thanksgiving. A lot of people might not have known that because they were worrying about what turkey was going in the oven the next morning. But um, this year has really put the church and the state in a conflict that we haven't seen in a very long time. In your mind, how is that playing out and what are the long-term consequences of that debate? Of course, I think it's spiritual. And so I think there's something going on uh, besides COVID. You know, we had to endure Russian collusion for three or four years. And it turns out because of you and others like you that were exposing it, it was all a hoax. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you had, I think it was in March or April, you would remember, you had Dr. Nut Witkowski, who's this sort of famous German. Uh, yes, he's a, uh, forget, a data what, what scientist. Yeah. Yeah. And so remember he said on your show that, you know, he, he, his advice in March or April was get the old people and the invalids out of the way. Right. Get Protect the kids them. in school. Yep. Run your business. The only thing that kills a virus is herd immunity. And it, you have to get to 75 or 80 percent. When you do, it's over. Get your get kids, kids in school. Get the old people out of the way. Go back to your business. And 30, 45 days will. All you've done is prolong what's happening. That's what he said in March or April. And he was 100 percent right. When you uh, when you look out now, uh, I think one of the most interesting uh, sentiments in the Supreme Court rulings that went favorably for the churches was that uh, just because you have a pandemic, you can't set aside the Constitution. That even in the midst of a pandemic, the um, people have to be treated equally. So if you let a hundred people gather at Walmart to shop, then you can't tell a hundred people they can't uh, congregate uh, safely with social distancing at 
a church. And I think that um, that sentiment really has sunk in in the courts in the last uh, couple of um, months since that rule, or actually a month since that ruling. What are the next big religious freedom cases that um, you see coming in the uh, coming weeks and months? Well, we're in the middle of one right now. Is that, of course, in California, Gavin Newsom in March shut everything down. Right. Uh, my my pastor Rob McCoy, we just talked about that became this. I didn't finish the story, by the way. He got beat, but then he became the city councilman. He became the mayor of Thousand Oaks, California. We actually shut down our church in California. I think from uh, April, May, and when Governor Newsom, when they were looting and rioting and burning the buildings in Los Angeles. And Governor Newsom tweeted, God bless you. We hear your rage and God bless you and go forward. My pastor said, I'm done. So he went back to having church. Our church ran about 400, Calvary Chapel, Thousand Oaks, about 400 on Sunday, not counting the kids in the nursery. And the next Sunday, we had 2,500 people at church. And we're running right now about 2,000 a Sunday. He's been to court four times now. Um uh, Pastor McClure in San Calvary Chapel, San Jose, I'm told, has been fined $750,000. Yeah, I think so I just far. read that the other day. Yeah, amazing. Cheon in Pasadena, Pastor Cheon, who's Korean, he's been fined, I think, 450000 and received a letter from the city prosecutor. What you're doing is criminal. You're going to go to jail. Wow. So I think this is, I think this is the beginning of something bigger that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, and, and these guys that I'm talking about, and my pastor now – haven't been to court four times and got another hearing coming. These are champions that are standing in the culture. And so it, I'm as, as bad as it is. I think it's encouraging that uh, Gideon's and Rahab's are beginning to stand across America. The, um, the uh, using the biblical allegories that people really are, um, uh, standing up in ways that, you know, a couple of years ago we might have been complacent, but it really has brought this issue of equal treatment of the churches to to the forefront. Um, your predictions right now, I'll put you on the spot as the last thing. I hate to do this, but it's always fun to. If you had to guess today on January 7th or 8th when all the votes are counted in Georgia, do we have a Republican-controlled Senate or a Democratic-controlled Senate? I think you have a Republican-controlled Senate. As I said, we're really involved, as other people are, M many other organizations. We're, we're not the only game in town, but we're the only game in town that that's knocking on low, mid-propensity evangelical voters' doors with Christian kids, by, with their youth pastors, uh, which is, these are the men of Issachar that the Old Testament, that know the times and know what to do. So these are the up and coming. It's, there's real hope for America. I, I want to say that because we've been negative most of the day. There's real hope for America because I believe evangelicals and pro-life Catholic Christians are coming to the public square. They've definitely been more active in the, in the last four or five elections. A lot of it, you know, from, from your work, uh, but there, there are just so many important legal issues that have worked through the cases and this confrontation between government and uh, religious liberty has become one of the defining issues in the courts uh, the last few years. 
So uh, Republican Senate, and then as you look out over 2022, 2024, um, what does the Republican Party need to do to keep this remarkable 75 million person coalition that Donald Trump built and grow it? I mean, when you look out over beyond evangelicals, um, you've got you know more African Americans coming to the party, more Hispanics coming to the party, uh, more middle class and working class people joining the Republican Party. It's a different party than it was in 2015. How do how do Republicans build it, and what do Democrats try to do to suck some of those people back into their vortex? Well, the reason that I think that it's changing is that it you know at at some point to be fair, I guess the the uh, battle was between. Republicans and Democrats, anybody who thinks that what's going on in America today has anything to do with Democrats or Republicans is really confused. This is a war between two ideologies, Christianity versus secularism. Uh, it's easy, it just, go back, and it's easily defended not only where we started with Christians, but the biblical education, I remember Fisher Ames, the uh, founder Fisher Ames was writing, who was a co-author of the First Amendment. He was concerned that you're taking the Bible out of public education in the late 18th century, uh, late uh, 18th century. Yeah, right. And, he, and he's concerned about that. And so here, somehow in the last hundred years, as you know, first they took out prayer, then they took out the Bible, and then they imposed um, abortion. And then they, and that was in 73 and 1980, they, they removed the Ten Commandments from the walls and the government buildings. And now they've imposed, you know, they found in the Constitution of all places the right to homosexual marriage. It, and so it's just really obvious. Secularism is a religion uh, as well as Christianity is. And it's somebody's values. And secularists have imposed their religion on America. And we've given we've allowed them to do that through giving them the schools, giving them government-run education. What they were doing to before they shut the the good thing about shutting the education down in California right now they don't is that you know what they were doing to those grooming these kids through what they were doing to public education was just criminal in California. So yeah, you know we got to get our people. uh, Righteousness exalts a nation. Solomon said, the glory of a nation is in righteousness, not in its GDP uh, or its government-run buildings and programs. The the glory of a nation and individual is righteousness. We have to get back to values and virtues if we're going to be a righteous people and a righteous nation. I'd say um, this uh, election has been a defining debate, and uh, as you said, it's a, it's a, there are just two views of the world that are now very pronounced, and uh, the choices are clear. If you, if you believe in secularism and socialism and big government, you've got one path. If you believe in religious liberty and faith and, and Christianity as a core Judeo-Christian uh, core to American governance, and you've got another vision. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to see the lines so clearly drawn and both sides are so clear about where they stand that the American people on, uh, well, certainly the Georgia uh, voters will have a very clear choice on on January 5th. David, I want to thank you so much for the time and what you're doing. Uh, We'd love to get uh, you back on after the Georgia race to get a postmortem about what happened and what's next in uh, electoral politics in America. So we'll get you back. 
Thank you, brother. And uh, you're doing a great job at Just the News. Oh, thank you so much, David. We really appreciate it. Well, we'll be uh, staying in touch and keeping a close eye, as everyone is, on that amazing two-runoff race in uh, Georgia. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I hope you enjoyed uh, David Lane. He clearly comes from an evangelical Christian conservative perspective, but he has real ground intelligence about what's going on. You heard him say Stacey Abrams has done a good job and uh, and the, the conservatives have to match her in this new voting uh, ecos, ecosystem that has been built in Georgia and with tens and literally hundreds of millions of dollars now flowing in to influence that race. I think David's insights as, as to how and what is going to happen on the ground uh, should be meaningful to all of us as we head into the holiday break. Tomorrow, we'll have another big guest, some more breaking news. I expect to, to have a new exclusive on justthenews.com that I think will be worth talking about. So be prepared to come back tomorrow for another edition of John Solomon Reports. And in, while you're waiting, uh, be sure to check out the breaking headlines at justthenews.com. All right, folks, have a blessed night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.